Welcome to another episode of the Finance and Property Survival Guide. Uh, my name is Damien. I'm a 24-year-old from Newcastle, Australia. When I finished high school, I felt like a lot of my education left out the most important things that I needed most going forward. Stuff like getting a mortgage, budgeting for big purchases, and investing were never really talked about or explained in any great detail. I want the Survival Guide to serve as the middleman for anyone looking to learn about finance and property. Each week, I'll endeavor to speak to and learn from some of those in the industry to help break down the details of the finance and property sector. Today on the show, uh, we've got our weekly episode with David from Money Saver Home Loans. David is a mortgage broker. Um, We're endeavoring to do a weekly chat, breaking down the latest news in the finance and property world um, and trying to break it down in a way that makes sense to people that don't know a lot about property who are trying to broaden their horizons and extend their knowledge out in this sort of industry. Um, We spoke about a few things. One in particular was NAB, one of the big four banks taking over and buying out a a smaller lender, which is sort of a big deal uh, for the banks. Um, We talked about fixed rates when it comes to getting a home loan and a few other things here and there. So uh, without further ado, enjoy the episode. First one you wanted to talk about, and it's not something I'm super um, familiar with, and the implications of it might be something you can sort of explain to the listeners so if you want to start with it it's the the nab purchase that's just taken place yeah so there's a um a bank called 86400 which is um like an online bank but operates through brokers um they've been around i think oh, i wouldn't even be two years i don't think might be 18 months and their proposition is that they're cheap um they're quick they don't um but they won't lend to anyone. They don't lend to self-employed. You've got to be actually working like as an employee. And they don't lend above 80% loan value ratio. So they're quite limited in their offering, but they're, they're very cheap and they've um, made pretty good headway. Most of the aggregators use them. So on Thursday, I think it was a Friday this week, um, NAB announced that they'd made an offer to buy them 100% with a view to um, merging them, I suppose you'd call the word, with Ubank, which is NAB's um, online bank. Mm. So just like you can go to the shop and there's Heinz baked beans and no-name baked beans, and they're often made in the same factory, just got a different label. Quite a lot of banks have, um, there's a a loan called Edge that um, a lot of um, aggregators offer, Advantage. It's owned by NAB. Um, there's loans like Alpha, which is actually owned by Adelaide Bank. So, you know, just like uh, Lexus owns, Lexus is owned by Toyota. Mm. Um, there's a lot of um, brand differentiation. So, yeah, NAB is saying they're going to, um, they think 86400 can help them um, push their Ubank brand. Um, I think there's a couple of ways this could go. One could be that they just wanted to take. 86400 out and will merge them into Ubank never to be seen again. Um, the other option is they might use 86400 to bring Ubank's offering into the broker channel. So we're not too sure which way it's going to go yet. Um, early days. Early days. It may not get approved either because it yeah. has to be, you know, because it's going to, in some people's eyes, lessen competition. Mm. You know, um, hats off to the guys from 86400 you know they've made an easy 200 mil happy days uh, but yeah how it all plays out i'm yeah. not too sure well, yeah there was i think it was um 
some of the research I sort of did over the last couple of weeks that I learned some new stuff and Paul Keating, I believe, the Paul Keating government had some laws enacted to restrict the big four banks from ever merging with each other. Yeah. But from what I've been told, it sounds like some banks will still just purchase smaller companies to to sort of their the size of their share of the market will go up. Yep. But not directly by joining forces with the big four. So Yeah. yeah. So apparently yeah, the deals were two hundred and twenty million dollars. Um apparently um NAB were a minor shareholder. You'll often find, you know, there's banks that are some of the bigger banks that are minor shareholders or provide funding mm. to some of the some of the littler banks. Yeah, um, okay. But yeah, so how that's going to play out to be, be quite interesting. Okay. Um, second thing we wanted to cover, which is another that you wanted to shed some light on, is uh, is now the right time to fix when it comes yep. to home loans. Mm-hmm. So this is one of the questions that sort of comes up a lot. You know, in the old days, um, you know, 30, 40 years ago, banks just offered a variable rate loan. Mm. That was it. Um, it was sort of like, you know, you went to the shop and there was one type of milk. And that was it. Um, then banks came up with, you know, a basic loan, no fees, and then an offset loan with fees and fixed rates, interest only, um, interest in advance, um, split, where you might have part fixed, part variable. So um, one of the things that's quite interesting, people are sort of saying that fixed rate loans have been very cheap for a long time with the property market going pretty well in a lot of areas there's you know some people are saying it's going too well mm. that people are paying too much for property they're jumping in fear of missing out that sort of thing and that unemployment you know the, the reserve bank dropped interest rates basically to um, give people confidence to invest and buy because interest rates would be so low there's a school of thought that the reserve bank might increase interest rates this year because we've come out of the pandemic pretty well Property market's going fantastic almost everywhere except inner city Sydney and Melbourne mm. apartments. And um, unemployment is not as high as what everyone thought. Business is still investing. So some people are saying fixed rates could move up. So it might be a good time to fix while they're really, really low. Yeah. So that's one school of thought. Um, we always say to people that whether you fix or not, is more about being comfortable with the repayment level. Um, it depends on how much extra money you can pay off your loan because there are normally um, restrictions on the amount you can pay off extra. With some fixed rate loans, if you pay off extra, you can't get the money out if you need it. Right. Whereas if you've got a variable rate loan and you're paying extra into it, if you want that money for a holiday car, new hip, um, whatever, you know, do some landscaping, put a pool in your house, um, renovation that sort of thing you can just draw it back out so um, whether it's the right time to fix not too sure we're still doing quite a lot of fixed rate loans because the rates are just a lot cheaper and for some people it's just a bit of a set and forget you know you know for the yeah. first two to three or four years if you're if you're thinking you're buying a place and you're going to be there 10 years you might fix the rate for four years at under two percent and you, you can make some extra repayments and you know your repayment is not going up for four years. Okay. So that's um, that's I not had too a bad. Question too. One second. Mm. Um, thing I wanted to ask you about the fixed rate too is um, 
is this right that if a bank is offering like a four to five year fixed rate on a loan, mm-hmm. is that an indication of how confident that bank is that the market might not change too much in that time? Yeah, look, normally, mm. normally. So what they'll do is, um, you know, the bank banks buy funds. So if the, you know the government made available quite a lot, I think it was about in the end two hundred billion dollars. So if if a bank's bought fifty billion dollars worth of um, money at 0.5%, they might go, okay, we're going to lend X percent of that at two years for X percent, Y percent, um, X percent at Y percent for four years. So it usually is, it's, you know, they'll work out the cost of funds, work out what margin they want, and then that's what they lend that lend it out at. Okay. And, you know, different banks, you know, some banks have really cheap five-year fixed rates, some have really cheap two-year fixed rates, others have three- and four-year fixed rates, so. Yeah, okay. Um, so one of the first bits of news we were going to cover today is, uh, as well, the um, December 2020 recorded a two-year high in property sales settlements, so, uh, settlement, sorry. So um, mm-hmm. obviously a lot of people might have wanted to hold off on buying a home during COVID because of the pandemic itself, but... Um, and a lot of people thought that maybe the property um, market might sort of fall off a cliff during December, but it didn't. Yeah. Um, one point uh, one one thousand seven hundred settlements occurred on Christmas Eve itself. Yeah, it was just madness. Crazy, yeah, right, it's mental. For Christmas Eve. Yeah. Um, most notably, the from this article as well was uh, in November, Victoria witnessed a forty-three percent month-on-month increase in property sale settlements. So, yeah. I guess it's just an indication of how successful the market's gone. Yeah. So the markets, there's a lot of um, positive sentiment, and we sort of know from shares and property that when people are favourable towards something, um, a lot of people do it, and it's a bit of a herd mentality. Um, yeah, seventy thousand, seventy nine thousand settlements in December is amazing, um, and the the stat out of Victoria not that surprising because Victoria was in lockdown for wave two quite a bit of time, so there was a lot of pent up demand, and um, yeah, once once that lockdown finished, yeah, you know, a lot of people went and bought property, um, or refinanced or that sort of thing. So, um, yeah. It's um yeah the property market's very strong in yeah. a lot of areas across the country at the moment yeah. and you know there's some commentators talking about it being you know twenty twenty one could be the strongest year on record. Yeah. I'm still not convinced. I just think there's still a few things um from an economic point of view that are going to impact us. So yeah, the stimulus stopping and and that sort of thing. You only can see now with some of the state premiers. Um, I think they've finally realised that um, they've been keeping borders shut, which has um, severely impacted a lot of businesses. Yeah. And now they're in a hurry to reopen them. Um, in a hurry to reopen them, when in the past they've cut, kept them shut under the same circumstances, because in two months' time, those businesses are not going to be supported by JobKeeper. Yeah. And I think we talked um, probably a couple of months ago and I said I thought that one of the only ways they'd get um, any sanity around border closures was to stop JobKeeper. Because if you're a state premier, you can just shut your border 
And if there's a business impacted, the business just gets supported by JobKeeper and, mm-hmm. gov- and federal government stimulus. Right. Now they've realised that's stopping and they're opening the borders quickly and then now screaming, saying the federal government should prop them up. So I think it's going to be quite an interesting time. Yeah, um, there's One of the things with JobKeeper I found interesting as well is quite a few companies are giving it back. Mm-hmm. So they've realised they got it, they didn't probably need it, but they didn't know at the time they applied. They didn't need it because everyone thought the economy was going to fall off a cliff. So now they're um, giving it back. I think Toyota have given money back and a few other companies have given money back. So yeah. quite and interesting. Sort of to, to continue on with the, the sort of the good indication of how the property market's going for now at least, um, CoreLogic had a market review. They released, uh, there was a 44% increase in auction volumes over the three months to December over 20,000 homes were taken to auction across the combined capital cities in that time, which was up from 14,000 over the September quarter. So again, it's just, it might not go great forever, but it went okay. Yeah, um, that's the thing. When there's, when there's lots of auctions, that's usually meaning that it's a seller's market. Mm. So there's, there's more seagulls than there are chips. Mm-hmm. And you know, the agents say to the client, let's go to auction, let's build up, let's get a lot of people interested so they bid against each other. And at the moment, um, if you're going to auction without using a buyer's agent or a professional to bid for you, um, you may end up paying too much. Okay. Um, and I think we, we listen to a podcast with Kate Bakos um, on real estate talk, talking about your auction strategy. If you if you go on auction, find that podcast and have a listen to it, because um, you need to work out what price you're prepared to pay, and watch your walk away price so you don't get caught in there. We've been auctions where a couple have been arguing front arguing in front of the crowd because they've reached their limit, but one of them's decided no, they really want that property. So it's not something you want to do. A couple of years ago, we were at auctions, um, um, and we were the only people there. There was the auctioneer, the vendor, and us. That was it, and the real estate agent. That sort of shows how the market's turned, mm. um, which has taken a lot of people, including me, by surprise. Yeah, okay. um, one of the other things about the auction stats, they're probably, the stats are maybe a bit misleading because during the September quarter, some areas of the country were locked down and you couldn't have an auction. So you might have had a virtual auction, but um, yeah, now the December quarter, the um, there was a lot more auctions available to happen. So the figures could be a bit skewed, but mm. at the moment, um, most of the stuff we're seeing for people, even in areas where clients are buying in areas where they never have auctions, and now have an auctions. Like two, three years ago, you would never have seen an auction in Dubbo, never ever warn and bill never ever now there's auctions there because there's so much demand yeah so just be careful okay um according to uh, this is another piece of news from the week that um from realestate.com.au the average number of days on site for for properties that sold in december 2020 was 44 days compared to 51 days in 2019 the same month yeah um again I guess it's just showing that it's a seller's market, like you're saying. The the chip, the more seagulls than there are chips, sort of yeah. metaphor. Um, the shortest days on site, on average, in December was for the ACT, and the longest days on site was Queensland, yeah. coming last in that. 
Yeah, it's interesting. Um, we'd probably have to find out what how they calculate their stats. Because, right. you know, sometimes, like if you go into a real estate agent, say on a Monday, and tell them you want to sell your property, you know, the first thing they'll want to get, you know, they'll sign you to an agency agreement, give you a rough idea of what they think the property would, would sell for, and then um, if you haven't got a conveyancer or property lawyer, help you organize a contract you know that might take say four or five days but while that's happening um yeah they're they're probably talking to some of their people you know some of the people on their database and saying look we do have something coming up that meets your criteria and meets your budget so Mm. we'll let you know when we can uh let you know it's available and yeah they'll be talking to the local buyers agents and the national buyers agents about it so it'd just be interesting to know how how they and it might be something we might even do this we might even contact realestate.com and just find out how they come up with it like when 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 do they calculate the start and the finish right is the finish at settlement or is the finish at exchange or is it when they they notify that the property's been sold yeah. because if it's on settlement one of the things that's happening happening at the moment is lenders' time frames have just blown right out. Yeah. You know, as you've seen the, the stats previously, you know, things up. Um, you know, the number of prop, you know, seventeen thousand properties selling on one day, um, settling on one day, and however many, you know, seventy nine thousand settling in December. Mm. Um, there's a lot more activity and things that used to take banks one to two weeks are now taking some banks four to five weeks. Because they've just we we were talking to one one of the banks during the week about a client. Um, the assessor rang us up to tell us that the the loan had been sent up for formal approval, mm. and I just said, "Oh, you know what's the what's the ETA on that?" Thinking it was going to be like three or four days, and they said, "Oh, it could be up to ten business days, just to get a supervisor to tick it off yeah. for what I think is a pretty low risk plain vanilla loan. It's yeah. there's nothing." Yeah, strong clients, no very high loan value ratio. So, yeah, just be interesting to know, and we might do that just to find out how they actually calculate their stats. But the thing about day, days on market is a good indicator of how strong a market is. You know, the other ones are uh, vacancy rates, because, um, you know, that encourages investors to come into the market. And if there's people buying to live in a property and people are buying to rent a property, that's more buyers. So... Yeah, but um, interesting, shortest days on the market in the ACT is not surprising. It's a very strong market there because it's basically pandemic-proof, which we've talked about before. Okay. And um, I mean, I did think it was interesting about Queensland because there's a lot of, like, you, I don't think there's many, I don't think there's much stock at all on the Sunshine Coast. Manmusa, Maroochydore, Maroolwa, those sorts of places, lots of people moving up there, right. people moving north of Brisbane um, between... You know, we've got clients at Marumba Downs and you can't buy any property up there around you know, Redcliffe and those sorts of places. So okay. it's quite interesting. Well, yeah, to sort of continue on the trend of Canberra going well, um, house and unit rents in Canberra had a yearly increase of uh, 3.4 and 3.1% pers- uh, respectively. So the average house rent was $600 a week and the average unit rent was four ninety-five. Um the news coming through from this statistic was uh, that, again, there's a lot of public, public employ- like um, government jobs yep. in Canberra. So 
there was sort of minor job losses experienced there compared to other cities. Yeah. Um, because yeah. of how much of it revolves around government jobs. Yeah, and there's a lot of a lot of people moving there. Um, I'm not sure if there's still a public sector way um, um, employment cap. There used to be. If there is, there'd be a lot of people moving to Canberra who might have like a three, six or 12 months contract. Um, they're not going to buy a house because they may only be there three, six or nine, 12 months. Right. So they'll rent. Um, so there's more renters, more renters flooding in. Um, one of the guys we talked to a bit, John Linderman, talks about a thing called the ripple effect. And you'll see in markets like Queanbeyan, um, Goulburn, yep. you know, both of them have gone really, really well because um, you know there's people who live in Canberra, uh, renting in Canberra, then want to buy. You know, prices they're pretty expensive in Canberra. So you think, well, for maybe you know two, three hundred rand less, I can live in Queanbeyan um, or Goulburn. You know, bit of a longer commute, but probably a better lifestyle. And um, so you know, there's some of the things you can do if you find an area that is a bit um, going ballistic. Um, you know, look a couple of suburbs further afield. I know there was some research a year or two ago about the um, um, some of the areas in Melbourne that if you moved two train stops away from where you wanted to live, you might save 200 grand. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's an extra five minutes on the train, um, even though now you've got to wear a mask. But anyway, that's um, the world we live in. Um, this one was a bit of a confusing thing to me, and maybe it's something we've spoken about before. It's just the terminology that's sending me on a loop. But um, another part of the news was speaking about um, some economists that's, and again, you t- I've sort of learnt since I've done the podcast with you that you, you want to take what economists say with a grain of salt a little bit. Yeah. Um, that economists expect an extension to the RBA's quantitative easing program. Yeah. Um, and an introduction of regulations to limit bank loans for housing investment. So because a lot of the, the prices across the capital cities um, in terms of property prices have risen up quite a bit, yeah. and they're expecting an even higher like growth of 5 to 10% year on year like across the, the country in properties. Yeah. And they want to introduce some sort of limit on what lenders can do and what they will be willing to lend and i think it's something you've spoken about before where back in the day maybe in in like 2010 or so some banks had they were basically asked to put limits on how many loans they'd give away where it was a higher risk to the bank to do a loan for somebody if they were borrowing less than the the lm what was it 85 percent lbr things like that so yeah how, how this sort of works roughly is um we saw during the start of the pandemic the government get the reserve bank to lend to make funds available really cheaply so that um businesses and consumers would borrow money and spend money because you know we weren't having immigration borders were shut we didn't have tourism um and it was basically to prop up the economy now what they're worried about is um, that that might be fueling property price inflation, and because we're, you know, part of the reason we're having a, a bit of a bull run on the property market at the moment. A couple of reasons: one is there's not enough stock around. You know, there's not enough people selling houses. Right. Um, before we went into um, COVID, 
there was a bit of an undersupply of rental properties in a lot of places, so this is just fueling that. Um, people are seeing share market up and down, up and down, so, you know, the share market might drop 10% in six months. The property market rarely does that. Can, but rarely does it. Not not sort of across the board anyway. So um, what, what a lot of people are worried about is that the cheap money is no longer needed because, um, and there's a lot of first-time buyers especially who are paying a lot big money for property. They might only have 5% deposit. Um, in two years' time, they might be on negative equity which means they might have paid $600,000 for a house. They might have a loan of five fifty, and in two years' time, the house is only worth five hundred grand. So if they sold the house, they'd still owe money. So there's some concern that the um, historically low interest rates are encouraging people to do things because they're, they're worried about missing out they might know that it's really hard to get a rental property. At the moment, in a lot of places, especially um, on the East Coast, the it's a lot cheaper to rent than it is to buy a property. Mm. So um, one of the things we've talked about before is you know the property you buy doesn't have to be the property you live in. You, know, you might be better off renting and then buying somewhere else where you can get into the market and you might be able to buy two or three of those properties. So, um, yeah, that's sort of how that, um, what the concern is there. In um, a couple of years ago, the regulators um, put a limit on the number of the percentage of interest-only loans they would allow banks to offer. Mm. Um, there's talk about limiting the number of loans above uh, a certain loan value ratio. In Auckland, a couple of years ago, they limited the loan value to 80% and that was to make it harder for people to get finance because if there was less buyers for property uh, prices would would be impacted which is what they wanted okay. um one of the last things i wanted to ask you about and it's um some of the news during the week too that spoke about the importance of refinancing and considerations to have if you're looking to refinance so if you could sort of just go through what refinancing is why it's good and then what sort of considerations you'd want to keep in mind. Yeah, cool. So what we find at the moment is how, how lending sort of works is people get a loan, and they might go to their bank or broker, and over a period of time, you know, interest rates might, well, say that in the last year, interest rates have dropped quite a bit, but what banks have done, a lot of the time, the interest rates drop for new borrowers. So you might be an existing customer of any bank and you got, when you got your loan you might have been you know, the going rate might have been three and a half to three point eight percent so you were given that rate and then you know the interest rates drop a couple of times and you might be on three point three or three point two percent your loan might be four hundred grand so you think happy days that's not too bad you know I remember you know my oldies whinge about paying seventeen percent and some people paid eight and that sort of thing so yeah three three point two three point four is not too bad but then you know you, the thing is for if you were a new bank to that customer your rate would be mid twos maybe low twos and if you sign up for a couple of years maybe under two percent could be one point nine eight or one point eight nine percent so what we say to people is if you've got a loan um, 400 grand and it's 1% to 
too expensive. That's four grand a year in interest you're paying extra, which is 80 bucks a week, which is quite a lot of money. And that's $80 a week out of after-tax dollars because you go to work, you pay your tax, you have your super deducted, and then from the money left over, you make your mortgage repayments. So what we often do with customers is get them to contact their current bank and see whether that bank will give them a better deal. Mm. So um, sometimes the bank will, sometimes the bank won't. So what we then do is we ask the clients to get that in writing and then we will um, look at what options we've got to move the customer to a cheaper loan to save the money. Ideally, we you don't want to increase the loan term or reduce your repayments because you want to use that extra cash to pay your loan down quicker, build equity, increase your wealth. If you've got higher interest debt, credit cards, car loans, personal loans, you might reduce your repayments and use that extra to pay those loans out. You might even refinance those loans out to get rid of them and have two new loans, one which is the one that took care of the higher interest credit cards and car loans, which you pay down quick. But the last thing you want to do is put debt onto your home loan over 25 years. It just costs you too much money. Um, interestingly, um, you know, there is a bit of pain with it. It's like leaving a partner. It's like leaving one relationship, banking relationship, go to another one. There'll be new things to set up. There'll be valuations. There'll be, you know, they'll ask you lots of questions. You need to provide pay slips and loan statements and your credit report and, and that sort of thing. So, you know, the whole process can take anywhere between one and two months or so. Just depends on which bank you go to. Um, also gives the opportunity to maybe, if you want to update your property, uh, do some landscaping, put a pool in, new bathroom, mm. update the bathroom, kitchen, new flooring, paint, that sort of stuff. You, you, know, you can put that money into improving the value of your property, which is a good thing. Uh, one of the other things, um, banks have basically realised that when they're getting new customers, they can either get uh, a, a new customer who's new to banking or they can get a customer who's an existing customer for, of another bank. So they've already got a house, they've already got a loan, they're already making repayments on time. So the bank goes, they're a pretty good risk. And in order for us to encourage them to move from their current bank, a lot of banks have uh, refinance cashbacks. So they actually give you cash to come over. Mm -hmm. Some banks are offering up, uh, if, if the loan value is under 80%, they'll give you four grand to come mm -hmm. over. now. Those banks have very tragic turnaround times. You're looking at probably at least a month before your loan gets approved, and then they've got to settle the loan. Um, the other thing is that, um, and it's the reason why we ask clients to talk to their existing bank first. Once you've agreed to go to the new bank, that new bank contacts your current bank. Your current bank will then ring you and try and keep you. We always cut to the chase and get you to do that first. So when your bank rings you and says, oh, we can offer you 2.4%, you can go back and say, well, look, I did ask you this couple of months back and you offered to drop it to 3%. So I'm leaving because you're only offering me this better rate now when you could have done that before and you didn't. So that's why we say to people, ask your, talk to your existing bank first, see what they can do to give you a better rate. Um, every year we talk to our clients 
banks about the rate they're on and whether they can do any better. And over the last couple of weeks, we've saved one couple, two and a half grand, another guy, nearly a thousand bucks, just in repayments, uh, just in interest. So that's one of the reasons we say you use a broker, because a broker will proactively make sure you're on the best right. deal going forward. Whereas when you're a customer of a, quite often, well, it's sorry, it's very rare that your bank rings you up and says, hi, hi, Merv and Mary. Um, you've been such great customers, we want to drop you interest rate. Very rarely they do yeah, that. Okay. So that's sort of how it works. But um, with refinancing, yeah, factor in, it's, you know, it's a one to two month process. And, um, but you know, it's, it's, worth, it's worth doing. Okay. Or worth considering anyway. Was there anything else you wanted to cover before we ended the podcast for today? Um, well, not really. I just think be careful if you're buying property at the moment. It's, there's not a lot of stock around. Um, people are paying a lot of money for property and if there is a correction which I think there has to be eventually um, you know you could find that you've paid more than what the property is worth um, worth still maybe more than what your loan is so if you did have to sell that property um, it could be you end up with a debt and no property mm. so just be very careful um, we give our clients who are looking at property a, um, some help with like RP data reports and a bit of intel on what's happening and what places have sold for so they can make an informed decision. If you go into auction, I'd highly recommend getting someone to bid for you that does it for a living, such as a buyer's agent. Yeah. But um, yeah, just be careful. And you know, it's really... The, the banks are very keen to get good borrowers. So if you're, a, if you're a good borrower, use that to your advantage. If you've got any issues, get them sorted first. You don't go to the bank with a low credit score or with issues on your credit file, you get them fixed first. So that's the, it's about you know, um, dr getting dressed up nicely before you go to the ball. Yeah, okay. If they wanted to get in contact, how would they go uh, about yep. that? Money Saver Home Loans on Facebook or dot com dot au moneysaverhomeloans.com dot au and if you need help let us know if we can't help you we'll put you in touch with people that can.